There is currently a search going on in the world of physics for what is called a theory of everything. Okay, the theory of everything is a theory that doesn't exist yet, but that physicists are hoping to discover slash create. And what it is going to do, what they're hoping it will do, is tie together the two kind of branches of physics. One is quantum theory, which deals with things that are very small, so atomic-sized things, and uh, the forces that are kind of surrounding that, so electromagnetic stuff, the weak and the strong nuclear forces. They want to tie that to um, general relativity. You know, thank you, Einstein. So that has to do with gravity, things that are really large, so like planets and stars and galaxies. The issue is that these two things don't actually fit well together. There's some contradictions in those two theories. But because one deals with things that are so small and one deals with things that are so large, uh, physicists can use them and still they're still accurate representations of those realities. Okay, am I nerding you out here? Are you guys tracking with this? Okay. If you have questions, you know, ask Dan Ashley or Josh Booth after the service. They can tell you a lot more about this than I can. Okay. So uh, the idea is they, they want to un unlock kind of this key to bringing these two fields together and have this theory of everything, this theory that will link these two branches that are now explaining what's really large and what's really small, and they'll have one theory that will encompass all of it. Okay? Now, my question today is, is there something like that for just living life? Is there a theory of everything or a principle of everything that we can apply to live life well? Is there something that we can kind of hang our hats on and say, hey, this is what we are about. This is what's going to work in our relationships with our spouses. This is what's going to help us with our roommates. This is what's going to help us with our coworkers. This is what's going to help us raise our children. Is there some principle that's out there that is kind of like a theory of everything, but it's for life? So, to answer this question today, we're going to turn to a book in the Bible called Proverbs. Right? Now, the book of Proverbs is, is kind of described by the title. It's a, it's a list of a bunch of little sayings that are like these wisdom sayings. Kind of like, you know, look both ways before you cross the street or, um, you know, a stitch in time saves nine. Things like that. Those are obviously English ones. Those aren't in Proverbs, but... You know, those are ones in our language. So the book of Proverbs is this record of all these wise sayings of, of Solomon and other wise people that lived, you know, in, in Israel a long time ago that help us kind of navigate life and, and walk through this life with wisdom. So I want to look at one verse as a theme, and we're going to weave it together with a couple other Proverbs. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Proverbs 18, verse 21. Okay, Proverbs 18, verse 21. And it says, as you have all probably already read because you were looking at the slide, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. So what is this telling us about some theory of everything or, or living life well, living life in a wise way, something that's going to bring life and not death to our relationships, coworkers, spouse, children, neighbors, friends. Well, the first thing that I want to point out is that our words have power. What we say matters. 
it has great power to do good or to do harm. I don't think I actually need to sell you on this point. Because in our experience, we know that this is true. As soon as you say something like that, maybe some memories are coming to your mind. Things that you've said that have really hurt somebody. Something that someone said to you once that you've never forgotten. Or, you know, maybe the opposite, which isn't always as readily, you know, come to our mind. A lot of times we think about the hurts first. But something that someone encouraged you with once that, you know, really helped you get through a hard time. Or, you know, something that, you know, you said to somebody else to encourage them. As I was thinking and planning the sermon, I was thinking through a number of places where I had said something really awful to someone. And there was a number of them, like three or four different you know, kind of memories that came to my mind. And I actually, I don't think I am able to share them. Because it was so painful and so awful that it would just feel like very painful to share in front of people or just so embarrassing. And I think you have similar memories. It's, it's, it's too painful to even speak about the things that maybe you have spoken to someone or they've even spoken to you. Now, that's not to say there's not a time and a place to process those things. Obviously, we want to go through them, forgive someone that's hurt us, or ask forgiveness to somebody else. But our words have power. If you're not remembering anything, maybe this will help. Middle school. Anybody? Okay. A lot of times, really painful memories, the things that people have spoken to you. So here's a, here's a, here's a one positive one. Um, the first sermon that I ever preached was in a church in Manchester, and there was a really well-known preacher that went to church there. He actually teaches at the seminary. His name's Haddon Robinson. And uh, he was at one time voted one of the best communicators in the English language. And so the first sermon that I gave, he was, you know, sitting in the audience in a church. It's like, no, no pressure, Okay. After the service, you know, he was walking out and I was kind of greeting people at the door, the, you know, the whole pastor thing you're supposed to do. And he said, good job, do it again. And that was it. You know, it, was, it wasn't, hey, that was the best sermon I've ever heard because I'm sure it wasn't. But he just said, hey, you did good and do it again. It was kind of this pat on the back like, hey, he's recognizing some gifting in me or some potential and he's wanting to see me develop that. I never forgot that. That was really cool that he said that to me. So... You know, the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me, is not true. It should be, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will make or break my spirit. Isn't that true? It'll make or break us, what we say. Okay? All right, so if words have such power, then what are we to do with that? Okay, we're talking all the time. I'm going to be up here probably saying 10,000 words before this thing is over. You're probably hoping it's going to be about 7,000. Um, but what do we do about that? Okay? So the next thing I want to say is stop and listen. It's the key to life. Stop and listen. It's the key to life. Now, most Proverbs are somewhat of a riddle as well as this kind of pithy saying that would have been catchy in Hebrew, but, you know, in the translation, it's not quite as catchy. So the second part of this verse is a little confusing, isn't it? It says, uh, if we can go back to that verse, those who love it will eat its fruits. What does that mean? Hmm. 
Well, I think it can mean a couple things, actually. I think the, the author of this proverb, whoever wrote it, is, is, is teasing out a potential for both sides of the coin here. Okay? He's paralleling it with the first half of the verse, saying there's two possibilities when we speak. Our words can release death or they can release life. And so those who love it, meaning on one hand, hey, if you are just enamored with your own speech, if you just love listening to yourself talk, that is going to release death to other people. On the other hand, if you love your tongue in a way that is being careful, disciplining it, controlling it, restraining your tongue in a kind of a caring, careful, thoughtful way, you are going to eat the fruits of that. In other words, you're going to be releasing life. Now, just so you don't think I'm making this up, okay? Some of your translations, the ones that are a little more kind of catching the idea rather than translating something word for word like the New Living Translation, translates uh, the second half of the verse as someone who talks a lot will, you know, eat that fruit of, you know, kind of being a blabbermouth or just listening to themselves talk. It will release this death. But what's interesting is that, uh, as some people have translated it that way, the Septuagint, which was the Greek translation of the Old Testament, that was what Jesus would have been reading in Greek, or the apostles that wrote the New Testament, actually translated it the opposite way. They supported this translation that said, hey, those who restrain their tongue or hold back or apprehend their tongue will eat the good fruit of that. Okay, now, just let me give you a little more support for this. So a couple other Proverbs that there are that have this exact same intention. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. You see both of those kind of ideas being presented in other ways. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. And lots of people's favorite, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Okay, that's been my strategy a lot. Okay. So the point is, there's this sense of stopping. Stop and listen. It's the key to life. There's wisdom in restraining your speech and being careful with your words because they have so much weight. Now, we all have been around someone who tends to talk a lot. Okay? Maybe it's happened to you in this building. You kind of get in a conversation and then all of a sudden you're feeling a little cornered and like you are ready to get out of there and the person is still talking and there's just not a whole lot of interchange. And let me also say, we've actually all done that to someone too. Okay? Comedian Brian Regan calls this a me monster. Okay? A me monster just wants to talk about me and have everyone else just listen to what their life is and what they are experiencing. We've all been attacked by me monsters and we've all been me monsters to somebody else. Okay? You know, things like, we do this in conversation a lot. Someone else says something and then we just relate it to our experience and go off with our story. Are you, are you tracking with me? I do it. I know I do it. Maybe you guys are all better conversationalists than I am. I'm still working. But, you know, things like, oh, I know. Someone says something. Oh, I have a friend who blah, 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 blah. Or, hey, oh, me too. Whenever I go to that place, blah, 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 blah. Or, do you know what happened to me after they have just shared their experience? 
Or, do you know what you should do? Just kind of giving some advice. Or, oh yeah, well one time I went to the moon. Okay? The, the whole kind of, let me, let me just tell you a story that's even better than what you just told me. And that was from Brian Regan. So I'm not taking credit for that joke. Okay. The point is, it's, it's difficult for us to often actually enter into somebody else's experience. Okay? We want to talk about us. And when someone else is doing that to us, we, we feel that. But we also give that out. Okay? So the Proverbs are saying first, hey, stop. Right? Stop. Stop. Can you put your life on hold for a moment and enter into somebody else's experience? Okay? So the second part of this, which we've already said, is stop and do what? And listen. Listen to a couple other Proverbs. Okay? A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. If one gives an answer or advice or something else before he hears, it is his folly and shame. So a couple, maybe obvious ideas here, but let me tease them out even if it's just for me, okay? It's foolish to think you know it all or have come, you know, have no room for anyone else's opinion, right? It's like you're a know-it-all and no one is. It's foolish to speak before you have heard someone else out completely because you're not understanding the whole perspective and they're just feeling like, oh, well, you didn't even listen. You're just offering me all this stuff that's totally off track from where I'm at, okay? That's why in the New Testament... It says everyone should be, everyone, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Okay? Now, this is what we all want from a friend, isn't it? We want someone that is going to enter into our experience and listen to what we have to say. And it comes out of our need to to want to be known by someone else, to want to feel significant or accepted or like we belong to to some group or to someone else. And that's with friendships, that's with, you know, roommates, with even coworkers, with neighbors, with your spouse. We want to be known. We want someone else to listen to what we're saying. We want to feel heard by someone. There's a deep need that we have. For uh, a few months, maybe six months or so, a couple years ago, I met with a spiritual director And if you don't know what a spiritual director is, I I didn't know for a long time either, but it's basically someone that will just sit with you kind of like a counselor and just process your prayer life. So, hey, what is God speaking to you? You know, where you're at with your relationship with God, what what things are struggling to you. And their job is just to listen. So they're not offering advice. And so to listen to you and then also to listen to what God is saying to this person. That's a powerful experience. Even if I'm paying them to do it, it's still pretty cool that for an hour... Someone is just, we're just dialoguing about me. That's, that's pretty powerful. Just that someone will set themselves aside. And it ministered to me in a huge way during that season where it's just like, okay, I can just spill my guts. It's okay. I'm going to be accepted for whatever I'm going through and be known and have this other person kind of help carry what I'm going through and listen to me and listen to God on my behalf. You know, so in that way, listening is loving. The Bible tells us to love others as we love ourselves. Love others the way we love ourselves. Listen to others the way that we want to be listened to. Listening is loving. You know, over against, you know, being loyal about, you know, bringing someone a gift or about caring for someone in a time of need, we really want to be heard. I'm willing to bet that we would take friends that are really good listeners over someone that might just help us out once in a while or, you know, 
babysit our kids or give us a ride to the airport. What we really long for is a deep connection with someone else where we feel like we're known and heard. And what we're doing when we're listening is we're helping someone process their experience. We're validating what they're going through. We're identifying their emotions. We're saying that's, you know, that's legitimate. And we're, we're entering into their experience. And we all do this all the time in terms of expressing our emotions. We're processing things just about all the time on an emotional level. Okay, so yesterday, Jade and I went to visit some friends in middle of uh, Massachusetts, Boylston. I don't know if you know where that is. I didn't know. Um, and so we had to stop at Target on the way. So I dropped Jade off and then parked the car, and I'm trying to manage the kids in the car and, and kind of waiting for her to come out. And it's, like, taking a little longer than I thought just to get a couple of things in diapers, you know. So she comes out of the store, and she's like, you would not believe the lines in Target on Saturday morning. You know, and so she starts to tell me about how, you know, she got in this line and there was only one, you know, register open and she's frustrated, right? You can hear the frustration in her voice. It's at the emotional level, what she's processing. And so she gets in the line and she's waiting, waiting, waiting. There's only one open. And then, uh, of course, they open a couple other lanes. So all the people behind her are saying, oh, I can help you over here. Oh, I can help you over here. So everyone behind her in the line is getting to go. And she's like the last person, you know, so she's frustrated. And then they brought a girl over to train while she was, you know, checking out. It's like, oh, hey, this is so-and-so, and and we're going to, you know, we're training her. And, you know, it's like, this is the register. And this is, you know, so like bringing her through. This is the, these are the buttons, and you push this. Okay. So all of that to say, you know, she came out kind of frustrated. But then she also said, but the diapers were on sale, and I saved $11. Yes. So all of this complexity of emotions that is happening that we experience all the time, and those are the kind of stories that we want someone else to hear us say. This is what I experienced at Target. Can you believe it? You know, oh, it's so frustrating. Oh, but the diapers won't say how. Okay, that is what we are doing. And we are longing for someone to listen to our stories. Because we want to be known. We want someone else to understand our experience and, and dialogue about our lives and our emotions. Listening is loving someone. It is caring for them on a deep level that many times they don't experience on a regular basis. So, let me briefly share some skills from a, a, a novice listener, okay? So, Anita, if you can put that slide up there. Here's a couple of things that you want to do when you're listening to someone. First, again, is stop talking, okay? The second thing is to actually listen instead of thinking about what you're going to say, which is a little scary if you're an introvert like me and you, you feel like, I don't know what I'm going to say next in this conversation because I'm not good at this, right? Just, just, just wait. It'll be okay, Okay. And then it's to reflect what the person is saying or feeling. It's very simple. Oh, honey, it sounds like you were really frustrated at Target. But, but I'm excited. I'm with you that the diapers were on sale. It's validating what she's feeling, and I'm reflecting back to her what she said so that she knows that I've heard her. It might be as simple as just telling someone what they just told you. And it may sound a little cheesy, but it can help you lead to a deeper place in the conversation and, and maybe go to a, a different place with this person that they're longing to express something in their life. So you reflect what they've said or the emotion that they're feeling, and they'll clarify it if it's wrong. It's, if I say, wow, you sound like you're really angry about what happened in Target. No, I'm not angry. I'm just, I'm just a little frustrated. Okay? They'll clarify that for you. It can be as simple as that. And then asking another question as you, know, as you are able, because sometimes I blank and I'm like, I don't know what to ask next because I'm still working on being a good conversationalist. But ask something to probe further. You know? Has that ever happened to you before? Or you know, 
you feeling okay about that? Or oftentimes it doesn't have to be a great question, and they'll just go with it if you've reflected what they're feeling, because it shows that you actually care. You're like, you know what? I'm listening to you. I'm in this. I'm setting aside my own world for a second. I'm just entering into this place with you. Okay? Now, sorry, I should have just not had that hope there the whole time, but these are six basic emotions that you can kind of go from to try to figure out where a person is at. So, you know, frustrated would fall into the category of, you know, um, angry. So, you know, grieving or mourning would be under sad and, you know, super pumped would be happy, okay? So these are just kind of a grid to say this is a starting point, but they're not usually going to be feeling these emotions because, you know, angry is a really pretty strong, extreme emotion. Now, just so you know, they kind of work in pairs. So sad would be the opposite of happy. Scared would be the opposite of excited. And then uh, angry is the opposite of tender. I think tender is chosen just because it makes a nice word sachet. But it, it, it's meaning like, you know, you're feeling affectionate. So instead of I want to punch you, I want to, you know, I want to hold you, little baby, and kiss you. Okay? So it's kind of this tender, affectionate feeling. And, and these are, you know, basic emotions. And maybe the counselors in the room are laughing because they're saying, this is totally whacked. I can give you a better thing. So great. You know, talk to, talk to, okay, we got a thumbs up here. All right, great. Okay. So basic things that you can do to help someone, you know, just listen to them, okay? You can do, practice this on your spouse or, you know, your kids. Boy, you look like you're really angry right now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, okay, there's some basic skills. Why is it so hard for us to do this? Why is it so difficult for us to control what we say, to stop, not talk about ourselves, and actually to listen to somebody else? If this is such an awesome thing when we experience it and such a bad thing when we have the opposite where someone is saying something mean to us or just you know, blurting something out or just not listening to us or just me-monstering us or we're doing it to them, why does it so, feel so rare or so hard to do? Well, the reason is because you have to set yourself aside to do it. And we're all pretty selfish. That's the problem. right? A lot of times we listen because it's good for us. I know I've done that before. I'm going to listen to you so that you'll feel cared for, and then I'll get you to do what I want you to do. Or I'm going to listen to you because it'll look good, and I'll, everyone will think, oh, he's a really good listener. Okay? Or I'll listen to you well so that I can have a friend because I really need a friend, and I really want to have a friend, and so I'm just going to listen to you well so that you'll be my friend. Now, you know, we're, a comp- we're just complex people, aren't we? So it's not saying that, you know, all the time we, we listen, we're, you know, we're bad and we're, these are, we're just motivated by selfish things. But I think sometimes we are. And so, you know, the real test to see how much love we have or how well we're listening to someone is what you do when someone else is me monstering you. Are you just ready to get out of there and trying to find some escape? Like Brian Regan says, hey, Charlie, Charlie, hey, hey, got to talk to Charlie. See you later. Right? Is that, that's the test of where we're at in terms of our ability to love someone and to listen to them. Okay? So, again, the problem is that we're selfish. And the proverb says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Jesus said something similar. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Or even the, the ear listens, I would say. The cool thing is that there is someone that did this perfectly. His name is Jesus. The best listener that ever walked this planet. If you read through the Gospels, Jesus was awesome at this. He was constantly caring for me monsters. Or people that no one else wanted to listen to. You ever thought about it in that angle? 
The Samaritan woman sat there and talked with her at the well. The disciples come back and say, why is he talking to this woman who's from Samaria? What the heck? Right? Prostitutes, lepers, the blind, tax collectors, people with no standing, nothing to give to Jesus, and he gave them the time of day. He gave them his time to listen to them. Jesus is the only person that never became a me monster and the only person that cared perfectly for me monsters like all of us, okay? Here's the promise for today. Through Jesus, we can do this too. We can become awesome listeners. We can do it. And it starts by listening to God. The entry point into doing that is to listen to God's big story of what happened in this world. The idea is that God is good, Jesus saves, and His Spirit is with us. That God made this world a good place. That we as people that who God gave this earth messed it up by saying, you know what, God, we're going to do it our way. I'm not listening to you. Interesting. Listening, right? The key to life. But then Jesus came and made a way for us to have a relationship with God. Jesus, this whole deal with him dying on the cross in some mysterious way, that, that allowing us the forgiveness of God so we would have a relationship with God and we would no longer be God's enemies but his friends. That came through Jesus. So anyone that says, you know what, God, I'm going to listen to the word that you've spoken to us about what reality really is, about what's really going on in this world. When we choose to listen to God, we often say to believe in Jesus We're entering into a relationship with God where he can pour his life into us. Because that's the whole goal. It's not getting to heaven. Well, it is, but it's also God pouring his life into us to transform this world so that we're bringing heaven to earth. Okay? That's the first step. Once we're in this relationship with God, we listen to what he says in the Bible. And we do what it says. That book is the words of life. When we do what the Bible says, things go well, right? Because it is the interpretation, the correct interpretation of reality. Thirdly, we listen to God's voice moment by moment. We need God to direct us in this complex, confusing, complicated world. We have to have God's voice moment to moment. And the Bible serves as our guide for knowing what it could be that God would be speaking to us in the moment. You heard Brianna's testimony. Okay? If she heard in that moment of prayer, I think you should, you know, go drown yourself in the sandbar. That would not be from God. Right? Although that would be kind of hard to do. Sorry, but, you know, you have to be underwater. You get the idea. Something that does not agree with God's word is not something that God is going to speak. So when we are trying to practice to listen to God's voice and to know what he's saying to us, the Bible is like this this gate, this narrow way that is showing us, hey, God doesn't say things like that because I know God's character. There's other voices that are around too, including the ones of our own head that are often wrong. Now, I've been talking about this a lot, which I think is because we need to be, uh, God is inviting us into a greater level of listening to his voice and believing that he speaks. Because I know even in my own life, it's a struggle to believe that sometimes. So if you're struggling to believe that, I would invite you to read through the book of Acts. The whole thing. Because that is the only narrative book that we have that has taken place after Jesus rose from the dead. Okay? You track with me? 
And narrative is the primary way that we interpret reality. How do we communicate what's going on in our lives? We tell stories. How do children learn about life? What do they read? Story books. The book of Acts is a book that describes what it looks like to follow Jesus in this new era. And all over this book, people are having visions, dreams, hearing God's voice. He's directing them in personal ways, knowing what to do. That's not just for them. The point is for that book to point us and show us what life is supposed to be like when we walk with Jesus. So just another thing to say, right? If you go through the book, Acts 8, God's, these are just the places where God actually speaks, where it says, and then God said to so-and-so. Acts 8, he spoke to Philip to go up the road. Chapter 9, he spoke to Paul and this other guy, Ananias. In chapter 10, he spoke to Peter. In chapter 13, he spoke to the church in Antioch. And then in chapter 18 and chapter 23, he spoke to Paul twice. And that probably wasn't everything. That was just a quick search that I did. Okay? It's all over this book. God tells us to listen to his son. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. Am I making this point? Are you buying this? This is all important. Stop and listen. It's the key to life. Let me share a quick story. Uh, Charlie Halley is actually uh, here today, and um, he is one of the elders over the Harbor Church and the three churches in the area. And uh, he shared this story a week and a half ago at our little conference that we call CFICon we talked about last week. But Charlie uh, lived in North Carolina for a number of years and worked at a church and then moved to Texas, to Waco, to our grandmother church to do the training school there and then the church planning training school. And he left a house in North Carolina that he hadn't sold. And so the past, I think, four years, they've been renting this out, maybe four-plus years they've been renting it out, but wanting to sell it because they've been wanting to purchase a home. So just a couple weeks ago, it was really heavy on Charlie's heart because now he's moving back to Waco. He still is renting this house. He's He's been trying to sell. There's been no interest in selling this house. And this is what he wrote in his journal, okay? A great way to practice listening to the Lord. Father, our Greenville house is a weighty matter this morning. I have sought to hear your voice, instruction, and counsel. What is your grace for me this morning? This is what he felt God said to him. Wait for me. I am at work. 2 Corinthians 4.18, which is a verse about focusing on eternity, not our circumstances. Let me work in the spirit realm. Give me 10 days. That was it. You know what's coming, don't you? After nine days, Charlie said, a couple from Florida saw the house and made an offer. After some negotiation, we signed a contract to sell the home on July 30th, 10 days, just as he promised. Closing is September 30th. Come on, praise the Lord. God speaks, okay? God speaks. The alternative to believing that is to believe God doesn't speak. We just have the Bible, and we have to figure things out on our own. The tragedy of that is that if God really does speak into our circumstances, then we're just ignoring him all the time. That's heartbreaking if you're a father. When we do this, when we stop and listen, it is the key to life. It fills us with God's life when we choose to listen to His voice, to read the Bible, to actually sit and stop and ask God, what are you saying to me right now? How are you speaking to me? And it gives us the ability to listen to other people. And lastly, let me say, it's a huge way to be on mission with God. Listening is loving. When we're listening to other people, 
when we're even letting God listen fully to us as He always wants to, it's giving us the space in our hearts to listen to other people. And that is ministry, guys. That is caring for someone deeply. It's putting ourselves aside and entering into their world. Stop and listen. It's the key to life. It's the key to caring for other people. People are longing to feel heard. They're wanting their experience to be validated. They're just looking for a friend that will stop and listen to them. Listening to God then fills us with the life to do that. And through Jesus, we can know God and be led by His voice. Let it be said of you, she was a listener. Let it be said of you, he was a listener. Let it be said of you, my mom was a listener. I always felt heard when I was around her. The world says, stop and think. But the Bible says, stop and listen. It's the key to life. Let's pray. Father, you are always speaking and we love you for it. And you are always listening. So I just pray, Lord, would you help us to believe that in our hearts and repent for the places that we have not done that. And Lord, to repent of the ways we haven't listened to other people. I just pray you'd put people in our hearts now, uh, in this moment, that you are asking us to listen to that we haven't in the past. Just people that need someone to, to just to come alongside them and to listen to their experience. Thank you, Jesus, for, for just being so awesome and always listening to us and then always speaking good things over us. In Jesus' name.